Now hear the Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. Luke. Glory, Glory to you, Lord Christ. In those days, Mary arose and went with... Uh, excuse me. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, to the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary, and he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying, and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. The gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Praise, Praise to you, Lord Christ. Please be seated. Now may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be always acceptable in my sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. Amen. It's hard to believe that we're already celebrating the fourth Sunday of Advent. And today we're also celebrating the sacrament of baptism. As you might guess, I, I went full geek preparing to preach on baptism. Unfortunately for you, we have another baptism coming up soon, and so I split my geek in half. So today we'll finish our look at the epistles of Advent, those readings in which we saw the apostles speak to the waiting church. We'll finish those readings with a brief look at the conclusion of Paul's letter to the church at Rome, and then we'll consider the practical aspects of the baptismal liturgy in the promises we make to teach and pray for these children our commitment to catechesis and to intercession. So over the past three weeks, we've looked at the way that the epistle readings speak to the church in waiting, the church longing for the fullness of the kingdom to come. We've explored how these epistles speak to the church in the first century and the church in the 21st century, and they directed our eyes to the cross, to the coming Christ, to our own preparation, and we turn this week to the way in which Paul's epistle to the Romans directs our eyes to the glory of God manifest in the church. Paul concludes his epistle to the church in Rome with a prayer, a prayer to God as the one who is able to strengthen and form these small communities of believers, Jew and Greek, slave and free, rich and poor, into one church according to the gospel. The gospel, the good news, which is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, 
to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. And not only according to the gospel, but according to the preaching of Christ Jesus, according to the message of the new way in which we enter as we are baptized into his death and, into his, and through him raised into new life. According to the gospel, the evangelion, and to the preaching, the kerygma. And according to revelation, according to the revelation by the power of the Holy Spirit disclosed in the mouths of the prophets and the apostles. And according to the command of God to spread this message to all nations, a command to faithfully follow and to bring about obedience. The gospel, the preaching, the spirit and the power formed together as the church for the glory of we hear in Paul's prayer for the church in Rome and for the churches throughout the world, a command not dissimilar to the command of the, riven, of the risen Christ spoken to the apostles on that hillside in Galilee. All authority on heaven and in, on earth is given to me, the power to save and to heal, the power to redeem and restore, the power of the gospel of the kingdom of God. And in this power, you are to go to all the people of all the nations, Jew and Gentile, teaching them to obey all that I have commanded and baptize them into life, into the life of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And as you do this, know that I am with you even until the end of the age. This is the prayer and the command that we obey today as we turn our eyes to the glory of God and the sacrament of baptism. Today, we celebrate the baptism of Jude and Lila and Rosalie into the life of the power of the Trinity. We celebrate their participation in the death of Jesus and the resurrection to new life. We celebrate their new identity as children of the living God, born not of the flesh, but born of the Spirit by the will of God. As we baptize these children, I'm going to ask all of you, to make a promise to support them and their families as they grow in their life with Christ. One of the ways that we do this is by rehearsing the great story of God, the great story of God and his people. And we do this as we celebrate the liturgy of the table each week, as we celebrate the liturgies of daily prayer, as we celebrate the liturgies and the habits of our own lives. This, this is our liturgical catechesis the way that we are formed and shaped into the people of God by the liturgies of the church. See, our liturgy is not some way of bringing God into our presence. Our liturgy is the path that leads our heart into the very presence of God. In the baptismal liturgy, we hear retold the story of creation, the story of judgment in the flood, the story of rescue and redemption in the exodus. We're invited to remember these as our story. We're invited into the Jordan and onto the cross. We're invited to share in the glory of the resurrection and be filled with life by the Holy Spirit. We're invited to declare with power the defeat of the world, the flesh, and the devil. We're invited to reject the lies and brokenness of the world and participate in the healing and love that is the triune God. 
we're invited to proclaim in one voice with the church throughout the ages the story of the triune God and the creation, redemption, and consecration of the world as we rehearse the baptismal creed. The liturgy of baptism begins our journey in the fundamentals of faith, our liturgical catechesis. David De Silva captures the heart of liturgical catechesis as he writes, the collects, the prayers of the people, the Lord's Prayer, the Psalms, and other forms of liturgical prayer teach us what to desire and what to expect from God. They give us language with which to approach God and through constant use, dig the spiritual aqueducts through which the living waters of the Spirit are released in our lives and in our prayers. I hope that some of you have had the chance to see this at work, to hear in the voices of Jude and Lila, the joy as they sing the doxology or say the Lord's Prayer, the way that they're able to follow along with the canticle on Fridays during noon prayer. I'm sure that they'll teach Rosalie to join in very soon as well. May we all have that joy as we learn what to desire and what to expect as we learn how to pray and how to approach God, as we learn anew what it means to be loved and to love. Now, I think these children have as much to teach us as we have to teach them. I'm also going to ask you to pray. I'm going to ask you to pray for these children and for all people. Instead of our customary prayers of the people, we'll pray for Jude and Lila and Rosalie that they will come to know in their minds what is true in their hearts, that Jesus is indeed their Lord and Savior, that they will come to know his presence in the life of the church, that they will bear witness in their lives to the life and love of Christ. We'll pray that they may stand firm in this life and this love in all the circumstances of life. You know, as I look at these prayers that we will pray today and the prayer that Paul had to the God that has the power to strengthen and sustain us in the wholeness of salvation and lead us into the obedience of faith, that God may ever be glorified. I think more and more that our primary means of evangelism must be prayer. I can think of no more effective way of bringing the good news of the kingdom of God to those who need to hear it most than to pray to the one who can actually make it happen. So as we pray over Lila and Jude and Rosie, I urge you to pray also for the people in your life, perhaps even for yourself. Pray for the no those who need. Pray for those who need to know the power of the gospel, and the message of Christ to bring healing and wholeness. I also ask you to pray for me, to pray for our parish, to pray for the other parishes in our archdeaconry, to pray for Bishop Felix and for our diocese, to pray for the church throughout the world, pray that God may indeed be glorified. As we enter the last few days of Advent and look with great anticipation toward our celebration of the Incarnation, pray for the kingdom of God manifest among us, 
and pray for the kingdom coming in the fullness of glory. Pray indeed for our life, our life lived in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.